0: Welcome to Not Just A Sports Report. Tonight, I'm going to be jumping in to UFC 277. It is time for my main card, Preview and Predictions. This card taking place from Dallas, Texas. We've got two title fight rematches. And of course, there is the preliminary card, but I've already jumped into that. If you want to listen to my rapid picks for the prelims action, that podcast is already out now. You can follow us on Instagram at NotJustASportsReport to get a link for that. Or, of course, just follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. We've got the two title fights, both rematches. Obviously, the huge women's main event, Amanda Nunez, Juliana Pena. We've got the Kiwi Kaikara of France and the Mexican former champion, Brandon Moreno. And a colossal heavyweight showdown as well five main card fights and let's not waste any time. This is UFC 277 main card preview and predictions. Now let's get amongst it. Kicking off this card we are going to be treated to a big contest in the light heavyweight division between the number four ranked Magomed Ankolaev, up against the fifth-ranked Anthony Lionheart Smith. Top five contest in a light heavyweight division that is constantly changing, especially this year and going into next. The landscape at 205 is shifting significantly. Light heavyweight, well, this is a contest with plenty of eyes fixated on it. The winner of this is going to reach genuine contender status, And you have Magomed Ankalaev riding an eight-fight win streak with his last three wins being up against Nikita Krylov, Volkon Uzdemir, who we both saw pick up wins on the UFC London card last weekend. And of course, last time out, in a main event that definitely didn't excite fans but was still effective, a five-round decision win for Ankalaev over Thiago Moretta Santos. As for Anthony Lionheart-Smith, It's been a tough journey, especially on that long road back from the loss in the light heavyweight title fight up against John Jones, the greatest light heavyweight of all time. It looked like Anthony Smith, maybe his time was done, but he is riding three consecutive first-round finishes into this one. He's back in the top five, and all of a sudden, Anthony Smith, once again a contender, his three wins include a first round submission of Devon Clark, a doctor stoppage TKO at the end of round 1 against Australia's Jimmy Croote, and most recently for Smith, September last year in a main event, he got the round 1 submission win over Ryan Superman Span, who did say some pretty in Smith's stance or in Smith's perspective disrespectful words and didn't the veteran make Span eat his words. I think as well Uncle Iev showed a little bit of disrespect during the press conference so no doubt Anthony Smith is going to be fired up, the 34 year old nicknamed Lionheart, an American representing Factory X. Smith is a kickboxer and a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, he's a fight finisher no matter where the fight goes and very rarely, if ever, do you see a boring Anthony Smith fight. His UFC record overall stands at 11 and five, and along the way, Smith has collected six performance of the nights. As I said, this guy very rarely, if ever, in a boring fight. Onto his opponent, Magomed Ankolaev, The 30-year-old is from Dagestan in Russia, representing Goret's fight team, and he is a master of sport in combat Sambo. Ankolaev, is being built up as one of these next big contenders, and there are a lot of shifts still to come in the slight heavyweight division. Obviously, Anthony Smith, Glover Teixeira, Jan Blahovic, they are all veterans of the game. So there really is this opportunity for Ankolaev with a win here to become one of the top names of the division, and they could eventually with a couple more wins like a win over Anthony Smith and then maybe another over a top contender and you could bill a big potential fight like Yuri Brahaska and Magomed Ankolaev. Ankolaev has a UFC record standing at eight and one. He lost in his debut in the very last second of the fight up against Paul Craig by submission. Not the only guy to have fallen into that Paul Craig trap but since then eight straight victories under the UFC banner for Magomed Ankolaev. In my opinion, the winner of this, I think what's next for them, I'd say a fight night main event versus, look, Yuri Prohaska, we don't know whether it's going to be Glover Teixeira or Jan Blachowicz, but out of those two, whoever doesn't get the title shot, I think we see a number one contender's fight. So, look, let's just say for the sake of this, that they go with Glover and Yuri in a rematch, and they do that one, then I would like to see Jan Blachowicz versus either Ankur or Anthony Smith, whoever wins this, in a number one contender fight. Of course, let's not forget next weekend's main event, Jamal Hill taking on Thiago Santos as well. A lot of movement to come within the division's top 10. This fight, though, has a lot of importance and definitely future title shot implications. You have the 8 fight streak of Ankolaev versus the 3 fight streak but very experienced Anthony Smith. Finish factor in this one I do think it's high but both guys are durable and in Magomed Ankolaev's case I don't think he's going to be in any particular rush although he does have some lethal striking. Stylistically I expect both to be measured on the feet. They both possess serious knockout power. So I think there will be kind of that respect of each other's power. And I do think we will see some wrestling with control in this game key. I think this one control is going to be a major factor. That's where I can see Ankalaev really having an edge in this one. Although Anthony Smith, he's going to push the pace both on the feet and and in the grappling. So that's going to cause Ankalaev to have to adjust his game because his opponents, I don't expect them, the opponents he's had so far to throw quite what his opponent here in Anthony Smith is going to put forward. I think the odds for this one are ridiculous. I genuinely think Anthony Smith is a really dangerous opponent for Magomed Ankulaev. Speaking of Uncle I, his overall professional record stands at 17 wins and only that one loss by submission to Paul Craig. Although Anthony Smith, he does possess submission ability, so Uncle going to have to be careful there. No doubt, because Anthony Smith, I think that could be a potential way to victory and maybe check the odds. that could be a good value bet. Anthony Smith by submission. As for Ankulayev, 17 wins. Sorry, <laughs> I was reading my notes. 17 wins with 9 of Ankulayev's 17 wins coming by way of knockout. 7 of those being first round for the Russian with overall 9 knockout wins and 8 decisions. So as I said, Ankulayev a lethal striker but he's not going to be in a particular rush I don't expect. Although, we'll see. I think if the fight does get finished there is a big potential for that to happen within the first five minutes. Looking at Anthony Smith's pro record, that stands at 36 and 16. So 36, 16, he definitely has the experience edge over Ankolaev although muhamed is the younger fighter, so a bit fresher, a little bit more damage that he's still got left on his body clock comparatively to Anthony Smith. But Anthony is a fight finisher. This is where Iev, look, he's been challenged by guys like Nikita Krylov, but I think this is the biggest one yet. Here's a key stat for you. Anthony Smith, 34 finishes from 36 career wins. That's huge. 34 finishes from 36 wins for Smith. 20 knockouts, 14 submissions. So he possesses threats no matter where this fight goes. 13 first-round knockouts, 6 first-round submissions. This is going to be a potential fight of the night, I am telling you. As for the losses for Smith, look, a clear way of victory for Uncle Iev. 9 of 16 losses for Anthony Smith by knockout. Uncle Iev, 9 of 17 wins by knockout. So that could be a very likely option here. Overall losses for Smith, 9 knockouts, 4 submissions and 3 decision losses. In my opinion, I'm excited to witness this main card opener. And I've been tossing back and forth. I think Ankulaev by knockout could be a great value bet. But I'm going to go Ankulaev by decision here. Just based on the fact that I do think Anthony Smith is going to test him. I might do like a value bet of Magomed Magomed Ankulaev by knockout in the first round. But I think if it doesn't happen in the first round, I think this one could be going all the way. So I'm taking Muhammad Ankolaev I'm going to take him by decision, but do consider knockout as well. I just, I like Anthony Smith. I think he'll feel disrespected here, and he's going to want to put his best showing of his career. But Ankalaev, I do think he is a contender status, almost. And I think this win can start to solidify him. I'm going to go with decision. Although, as you can tell, knockout definitely on my mind, but gonna take Magomed Uncleiev over Anthony Smith by decision in this main card opener. Uncleiev by decision. We've got four fights to go, including two title fights. Now it's time to get into our first of two major flyweight contests. Onto our next clash at. Five and it is a very important fight for the landscape overall at 125 pounds on one side you've got the fourth ranked Alexandre Pantoja up against the sixth ranked Alex Perez this is the co-main event warmer like you look at this one and the winner of this they position themselves around the same point as the two guys in the actual co-main event the interim belt you could argue Pantoja could have been in that fight so he is very very close he holds wins over Cara France and Moreno so a win here no doubt solidifies Pantoja as one of the elite stars in the flyweight division he's back on track for a title shot look he submitted Brandon Royval did Pantoja and that was a major major turning point for him he looked like he was about to get the title shot, but then a knee injury sidelined him. So, like, Pantoja is basically there, is what I'm trying to say. He also has that decision win over Brandon Moreno. And there's a lot there's a lot at stake at this, in this one. Sorry, it's like 1.30 in the morning. We're close to the card, but I'm getting this one out there. Had a coffee. But, yeah, Pantoja, he's basically there or thereabouts. For Perez... His last fight was for the title, but he was beaten very easily. And he hasn't fought since. So there are a lot of question marks going into this one. Perez had that title shot at UFC 255 all the way back in November 2020, where he lost. It was a round one submission up against Davison Figueredo. And I believe that was like a few days after that or a couple of week or two weeks after that. Figueredo had that draw with Brandon Moreno. So that was the last time we saw Perez. He was submitted very quickly by Figueredo. Since then, six scrapped bouts. Two of them, or four of them, were against Match Snell. I can't remember who the other two were against. He's had two weight misses, has Alex Perez. So yeah, he is not as close to really breaking into a title shot mode comparatively to Pantoja, although that could absolutely change with a win here. He's from Dana White's contender series, arguably one of the best. I know Sean O'Malley, Marina Rodriguez, there are plenty from DWCS, but Alex Perez definitely has a claim. Could he be the first Dana White contender series UFC champion? And with the win... Can he edge closer to a title shot? Absolutely. But Pantoja, he seems primed. How is his knee? We don't know. But this could be his moment to really propel himself into the title shot conversation. Alexandra the cannibal Pantoja. As I said, 1.30am. My apologies. He is 32 years old, representing American top team, and the Brazilian is a very quality grappler. I think he's the much better of the two in that department. And I think that's what he's really going to lean on in this contest stylistically. Pantoja is on a two-fight win streak. Both of those wins in 2021. Firstly, a unanimous decision over Manel Cape, who himself, he is a really, really quality prospect. So that's a big win for Pantoja. And then, of course, he had that round two submission over Brandon Roy Vell. That left Pantoja with a UFC record standing at eight wins and three losses, with all three of his UFC losses coming by way of the judges' scorecards. As for his opponent in Alex Perez, the 30-year-old is from the United States of America and also has Mexican heritage. Perez will be representing Team Oyama, and he has a varied range of skills. Perez is a wrestler is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, and is also highly skilled when it comes to the boxing. So if he's fit and healthy, like, he has a lot of threats. Leg kicks are one, especially given Pantoja just had this knee injury. I think Perez, if he's smart, which he is, he's going to target that with kicks, and potentially he can set that up with his boxing to really have an effective performance here. Perez's record in the UFC standing at six wins and two losses. Looking at the advantages, Pantoja has the reach advantage, and as I mentioned, definitely the better grappler of the two. But I think in the striking realm, Perez I think actually offers more. So this fight excites me a lot. You've obviously got Perez just outside the top five, Pantoja just a whisker away from where the guys in the co-main event are. Like, he's probably next. The interim guys, whoever wins, faces Davison. But Pantoja, he's probably next after that. They may give him one more fight, but this is about where he is. And I think with that reason, he's got a bit more to fight for, although plenty for Perez as well. The weight cuts in Perez's case, though, that does concern me. Because stylistically, I think this is going to be a really high-level grappling contest. And if Perez hasn't got his conditioning right and his mindset right for this, I think Pantoja, he's really going to be able to get on top. He's a quality, quality fighter. I can't speak English, apparently, as you guys know, and girls. So let's get to Alexandra Pantoja's professional record. How's that for a segue? Pantoja's pro record overall standing at 24 wins and 5 losses. And the key statistic for Pantoja, he has never been finished across 29 fights. So nobody's managed to stop him, all five of his losses coming by way of decision. Looking at the wins for Pantoja, 17 stoppages from 24 victories, with eight knockouts, nine submissions, and he also has seven decision wins. Looking at Alex Perez and his professional record, very similar to that of Pantoja’s Perez’s record standing at 24 wins and six losses. The key stat a little bit more glaring in the case of Perez and his losses, four of his six losses coming by way of submission. That is why this is such a danger matchup for him, Pantoja, his biggest winning method, nine submission wins from his 17 victories. You look at that, or like that's 17 stoppages, sorry. So 24 victories, nine submission wins though. That's that's the key point. I got lost there. But the key point, Pantoja has nine submission wins, four of six losses for Perez by submission. So that is well and truly the danger here. Overall Perez's losses, once knocked out, four times submitted, and he's also lost once by decision. As for the wins for Alex Perez, 50% coming up by way of decision. Overall, 5 knockout wins, 7 submissions, and 12 decisions. So Perez, very good at edging out the judges' scorecards over the 15-minute distance. And of course, that is a major key stat. Look, like Pantoja, he can definitely exploit the weakness. Perez, he's shown that his weakness is being submitted... That's a strength of Pantoja's. And for Perez, he's shown that a strength of his is winning these tight decision contests. Whereas Pantoja, all five of his losses have come by way of decision. And 50% of the wins for Perez have come by decision. So this is fantastic stylistic matchmaking. I'm unsure where either are at after some setbacks, weight misses, and a lot of scrap bouts for Perez, and a knee injury for Pantoja, but I just think Alexandre has more to fight for. So in this big flyweight contest, I'm going to take Alexandre Pantoja by submission. I think this could go the distance, but ultimately, as I've said, my whole vibe as I've previewed this one is that I think Pantoja, he is real close, there or thereabouts, to getting his title shot. I think this is part of his journey, that road, to an eventual title shot. So I'm going to get amongst it here. I'm going to go Alexandre Pantoja over Alex Perez. And I'm going to go with the submission. Let's let's fucking do it. Why not? Alexandre Pantoja by submission in this flyweight contest, which leads us from all the way down at 125, all the way up to the big boys, Hossfest up next. This is some heavyweight division shit. Derek the Black Beast Lewis up against Sergei Pavlovich. UFC thoughts and comments? 277. Do not forget that as well tomorrow. But now it's time to jump into the big boys. It is time to get into the big time Hossfest. It's a heavyweight showdown between the 5th ranked fighter with the most knockouts in UFC history, that would be none other than Derek the Black Beast Lewis in his hometown of Texas, home state, taking on the 11th ranked Russian, looking to make a big statement. He is a tank of a man. He is Sergei Pavlovich. In this one, you've got the heavyweight icon, Derek Lewis, in a pivotal point, a bit of a crossroads for one of the greatest, most exciting fan favorites in the promotion. Will he go on from this to be a contender to remain one of the top guys? Or after this, will he become somewhat of a gatekeeper for that top five, top 10? Someone like, I guess, Andre Arlovsky is kind of that for the top 15. He's that guy just outside the rankings where those mid-range to high-range heavyweights get their test to see where they're at. And I think that could be if Derek Lewis loses here and wants to stick around, that could potentially be his role. So a major, major question mark. And for a fan favourite and one of my favourites, really intrigued to see how Derek Lewis goes here. Lewis? Lewis Griffin. No, Derek Lewis. But for Sergei Pavlovich, no doubt this is the toughest assignment of his career, Derek Lewis a top five heavyweight, most knockouts in UFC history and one of the baddest dudes in the entire world. At least he fights in a cage, I'll tell you that much. For Derek Lewis, he won his first three fights in the home state of Texas before back-to-back losses really hurt him, both in his hometown of Houston up against Cyril Garn and Tai Tuivasa both who are facing each other in France very soon. Now we have UFC 277 in Dallas, Texas. And for both men, one mistake could be fatal. This is gonna be one hell of a contest. For Pavlovich, is he a contender or at this stage only a pretender? All I know is that this fight is gonna end inside the distance. So now let's try and work out who's gonna win this one Starting with the profiles, you have Sergei Pavlovich, a 30-year-old Russian training at Eagles MMA Moscow. He is a combat sambo specialist with freakish knockout power, Sergei having a UFC record standing at 3-1, and one. that one loss coming in his debut that was in Beijing, China, November 2018, up against Alistair Overeem. At that stage, that was a really big fight, a co-main event, and Overeem got the round one TKO. And yeah, he made it look easy. Like Pavlovich, there's definitely vulnerability there. He's not Superman, although he may look it. But since then, Pavlovich has rattled off three straight first-round knockouts. The first of those coming against Marcelo Golm, whose record stands at 10-3, and 3, absolutely starched Marcelo. Then he beat Maurice Green, the crochet boss. His record stands at 10-7. and 7. Not the biggest win, to be honest. Although he absolutely starched him. And then most recently for Pavlovich, that was in March, in London, getting the round one knockout over Shamil Abdurakhmanov. Abdurakhmanov. Whoops. His record's 20-7. and 7. So Pavlovich has been building. He's been climbing up the ranks. And he is a devastating fight finisher. Pavlovich has 12 knockout wins. Every single one of those 12 wins, first round knockouts. See, here are some of these times as well. These aren't all of them, but here are some of the times it's taken for Pavlovich to get a knockout victory. 20 seconds, 75 seconds, 24 seconds, 59 seconds, 66 seconds. No wonder Dana White sees star qualities in Pavlovich. This guy is an absolute beast. And a first round knockout here would catapult him straight into contender status. Although a few guys in front of him, like Pavlovich, his stocks would rise exponentially. Especially given that you've got someone like Aspinall on the shelf for a little while now. I think after this, winner of this should get a fight night main event. I would say either Alexander Volkov or Alexander Romanov. I think that could be really interesting. So winner of this, let's say it's Sergey Pavlovich. I'd like to see him up against either Romanov or Alexander Volkov. For Pavlovich, I think Volkov, because he hasn't faced him yet. They are both Russians though, so maybe, like, you know, there is a lot of respect. I guess maybe they'd save that one. Although that could be a really great narrative going into that one. Um. Volkov, Pavlovich could be interesting, or Romanov, Romanov vs. Pavlovich. And for Derek Lewis, well, he's already faced and beaten Volkov, so I think Romanov for Derek Lewis, I honestly do, I think that could be an epic contest, but let's not get too speculative, let's stick with this actual fight, and as I said, one of the big statistics in this one, 12 first round knockouts for Sergei Pavlovich. Now we jump onto the profile of the black beast, Derek Lewis, 37 years old, fighting out of Houston, Texas, with plenty of home crowd support in Dallas, Texas this weekend. Lewis represents Main Street boxing and Muay Thai, and as for his style, we all know it by now, Derek Lewis is the knockout king in the UFC. Lewis has a UFC record standing At seventeen and seven, and it's been an interesting road to Dallas. He had four straight wins at one point over Blagoy Ivanov. That was a split decision win. Then he backed it up with a unanimous decision over Alia Latifi, Derek Lewis. He was starting to get momentum, but both of those were decisions. He then got a big finish, round two technical knockout over Alexei Olenek. But he still he needed that statement. He still hadn't quite had that big win to really cement himself back as a heavyweight title contender. That was until he faced up in a main event against Curtis Blades. Derek Lewis secured the fourth straight win, a round two performance of the night knockout over Curtis Blades, who he, at the moment, is right in there in terms of heavyweight title contention. Derek Lewis, that was the big statement victory that he was after. And that led him to Houston, Texas, an interim title fight and a chance to potentially go up against Francis Ngannou in a fight, a rematch of a fight that was so underwhelming, but I feel like the second time around, it it might've been a lot better. We would have never known though, because Derek Lewis lost in that one, a round three technical knockout loss to Cyril Garn, who at that stage was undefeated then Derek Lewis rebounded though, a pretty easy round one knockout over Crick's Dorcas to finish out the year. And then in February 2022, a bit earlier this year, Derek Lewis tied to Avasa. It was a dream fight. I was so pumped for it. And Derek Lewis lost in round two, knocked out by Taito Avasa. That was a massive, massive moment. And yeah, that totally changed the game. We haven't seen Derek Lewis since that moment. We don't know exactly where he's at, although we do know that Derek Lewis is the knockout king. In terms of advantages, there is a sizeable reach advantage for Pavlovich. He also is gonna have the edge in speed. Level of competition and experience lays with Derek Lewis, but with both of them being knockout specialists, it's really interesting. And I think a key thing to mention is that Pavlovich is entering his physical prime. So that could give him a major edge in this one. There are implications for the top five, implications for the top 10 overall. Pavlovich, he's looking to break into the top 10. A win here could even catapult him into fifth. With Derek Lewis, if he wins, he solidifies his contender status. But if the Black Beast loses, this could begin a slide for him slowly outside of the top 10. So it is a very interesting time for the Black Beast. The finish factor in this one is at full tilt, no doubt. And this is going to be a brawl from the word go. For Derek Lewis, a few things on his side. He's got the bounce back factor. Coming off a loss, he will be fired up. The crowd are going to be behind him. And he is an absolute fan favourite. So, look, this is a major, major chance to make some money on a value bet. Derek Lewis to get the win here could definitely be on. Although, to be honest, out of every fight on this card, other than the main event, this has been the hardest one for me to pick. So still, at this point, I'm trying to work out exactly where I'm going to go, but it is almost time for me to make my pick. So got to get the brain juices flowing, little bit to go, and then I'm going to make my official prediction. Time for the professional records. Starting with Sergei Pavlovich whose record is a very shiny 15 wins and only one loss. That one loss, as I mentioned, a knockout up against Alistair Overeem. But the wins for Pavlovich, I also mentioned those. Those are the big ones to get excited about if you think this guy can be a top prospect. 12 of his 15 wins by knockout. All of those first round knockouts. And three decisions as well for Pavlovich. But... We mainly know, I think this one, this one's gonna be a banger. I really do think we're gonna see a knockout, and I think whoever wins this, they're gonna get a 50K bonus as well. Onto the professional record of Derek Lewis, which stands at 26 wins, nine losses, and one no contest. The key statistic for Derek Lewis, 21 of 26 wins by knockout. Of course, Sergei Pavlovich, His only career loss was by knockout. So this is easily the biggest test for him. Lewis with 21 of 26 wins by knockout. Pavlovich, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So this, one of the ones I am most intrigued about. Fantastic stylastic, stylastic, whoa. New English terms coming up to 2 a.m. Apparently we just invent new words now. So fucking soz. If you hear any words that don't exist in your realm, well, now they do. Welcome to not just a sports report. 21 of 26 wins by knockout. 21 knockout victories for Derek Lewis. He has one submission in there. Fuck, wouldn't that be a moment if he submits Pavlovich? And four decisions as well. As for the losses for Derek Lewis, six of nine by knockout. Of course, Sergei, a knockout specialist. So both of these guys perfectly primed to exploit each other's weaknesses. Bigger they are, harder they fall. Both of these guys, very big boys with very, very large knockout power in their hands. In my opinion, cheering for Derek Lewis, it's the ultimate test for Sergei Pavlovich, but I'm actually gonna take Sergei Pavlovich. Even though I think Derek Lewis should be the favorite in this one, I'm gonna go Pavlovich. I will jump on a value bet as well for a first round knockout for Pavlovich. But yeah, I just think he's younger, he's entering his physical prime. This one, the toughest one to pick. Really didn't want to go against Derek Lewis. But I figure, hey, if Lewis wins, I'll be happy. If Pavlovich wins by knockout, then my pick will be correct and I'll be happy. So going for a bit of a win-win. Want to see Derek Lewis win. But in this one... Heavyweight contest right before the two main events. I'm going to take Sergei Pavlovich over Derek Lewis. And I've got Pavlovich by knockout. He's got serious power. This is the test. If he fails this, we'll go back to the back of the line. You're going to need to rack up some more wins, son. But if he wins this, oh shit. And so I'm going to go bit of oh shit mode. And I'm going Pavlovich by knockout. Let's see how this one pans out. Sergei Pavlovich over Derek Lewis by knockout. Now it is time for our two main events. It is now time to jump into our co-main event. That being the interim flyweight championship with the winner set to face the real champion, Davison Figueiredo. On one side, you've got the former champ, the assassin baby, Brandon Moreno, first ranked in the division, taking on the second ranked New Zealand Kiwi, Kai, don't blink, Cara France, who is in the best form of his career. These two have met before as well. This is a rematch. And both have grown a lot since the first meeting. Although, if we cast our minds back, Brandon Moreno was the better man the first time they met, getting it done by unanimous decision. Top two guys in the division, interim title on the line, winner gets the champion, there is so much to fight for in this one. Now the first time they met was only three rounds, this time around it is a five rounder, potentially 25 minutes to decide a winner, and this time around the interim title is at stake. For of France, he's got himself going since that Moreno loss. He had a Tyson Nam win and then a Brandon Royval loss coming off the Moreno results. Uh, things looked okay, but then he rattled off three straight victories. Two round one knockouts over Rogerio Bontorin and Cody Garbrandt, which that Garbrandt one definitely started to solidify of France as a contender. And then in March this year... Tara France stamped his authority, officially announced himself as a contender with a decision win over Askar Askarov. Now Kai believes his time is now. He is so fired up for this showing and he couldn't be in better form. As for Moreno, he's departed Entram Gym and he is now linking up with a new camp, that being Glory MMA and Fitness under James Krauss. They'll be working on some new things, I'm interested in that partnership and I think overall it's a good move. So keen to see what changes, if any, we see from Moreno and we know the winner of this faces Figueredo for the title. This fight is going to set up an even bigger fight no matter who gets the victory here. You've also got the Ultimate Fighter link. Both of them were on the Tournament of Champions season in 2016 which was eventually won by none other than Tim Elliott. For Moreno, he lost in the round of 16 to Alexandre Pantoja by submission. Two losses to Pantoja, so look, there's already the storyline there as my phone goes off. Whoops-a-daisy. But there's already the storyline there. Pantoja with two wins over Moreno. And Alexandre, he is not to be forgotten in this whole equation. As for Kaikara France, in the Tournament of Champions, he advanced past the round of 16 with a first-round knockout over Terence Mitchell, before falling in the quarterfinals to that very same man that beat Moreno, Alexandre Pantoja, that was a unanimous decision loss. So Pantoja has every right with a win to put himself right up there in title contention. And for Kaikara France, well, he's blossoming under the tutelage of Eugene Behrman. There's obviously, of course, the Israel Adesanya connection as well, training at City Kickboxing with a link to Tiger Muay Thai as well. For Kyra France, it was five wins in a row that catapulted Kai into the UFC, and he had three wins to start his UFC career leading up to that Brandon Moreno loss. Kyra France, he cited Eugene Behrman as the key, the work at City Kickboxing is clearly paying dividends, and now Kyra France feels as though his time is now To become a champion. If you've listened to the podcast before. You would know I'm from Auckland, New Zealand. So you better believe I'll be supporting Cara France in this one. Although Moreno definitely going to have his fair share of support. The Hispanic community right behind him. He's a fan favourite across the entire promotion. And of course Dallas, Texas. They are going to be cheering him on hard. So he's got the hometown support. Big, big matchup he's got James Krauss in his corner now as well up against Kaikara of France who undoubtedly this is the biggest fight of his career casting our minds back to the first time these two met that was December 2019 and Brandon Moreno was back in the UFC for his second stint desperate for a win absolutely desperate for a win this was potentially his last chance up against Kaikara of France who was trying to build a run of significance? It was a quality contest. Brandon Moreno, as always, his toughness was on display, as was his high quality skill set that has since become an elite skill set. So, as I said, both guys have grown in leaps and bounds since their last meeting. And with Moreno moving over to glory MMA and fitness under James Krauss, the former champion, he's adding new strings to his bow and I'm very intrigued as to how we are gonna see Moreno present himself this weekend. Moreno got the decision victory when they last met, but as I've said, Kaikara France, a totally different proposition at this point, and in my opinion, I think this has Fight of the Night written all over it, and if there's a finish, well, Performance of the Night. This has a really big time feel about it. Obviously for Moreno, coming off that Kaikara France win, he continued to rise, eventually earning a flyweight title shot up against Davison Figueredo. Their first meeting, that was a majority draw, the greatest fight in flyweight history in my opinion, and Moreno and Figueredo showed how evenly matched they were, fighting to a draw over the 25 minutes. They were to meet again though, as we know, and in the second fight, Brandon Moreno won the championship with the submission One of the great moments of the year, no doubt. And the first Mexican-born UFC champion. So that was a huge moment. Moreno, he got up after that draw. And of course, for him capturing the championship, that could only mean one thing. They had to have a third bout. This time around, we saw Henry Cejudo. He was mentoring Davison Figueiredo. And Davison... He edged out a razor-thin decision victory over Moreno. Once again, the title changing hands. This is one of the great flyweight rivalries, and I have no doubt that these two will meet again. There's no doubt about it, but this may come as soon as December for the flyweight championship. That's kind of the trajectory that we are on. The narrative is there. Now it's time to see where the cards fall. For Figueiredo, he was outraged by the interim title decision, pretty pissed off that you know he wasn't involved in the next title fight. And to be fair, Davison is the rightful champion, so the winner of this, no doubt up next, Davison is waiting in the wings. For Moreno that would be the fourth meeting and putting a stamp on the greatest rivalry in flyweight history. And for Cara France, well he would present a really fresh matchup for Figueroa. And that would be a seriously exciting contest back to this fight though and Moreno is a very skilled opponent that Cara France is going to have to be super careful of with Moreno being well versed in every area of the fight he's got unorthodox striking an elite jiu-jitsu game a mental toughness that is very hard to rival and supreme cardio as well so you could call Brandon Moreno the total package but he's got to put it together in this fight. I do expect him to present the best version of himself though, the bounce back factor at an all time high for Brandon Moreno, but he's gotta be careful. You cannot make any mistakes around don't blink, Kai of France, he doesn't have that nickname for no reason and he can knock anyone out in the blink of an eye. It's gonna be a tough ask though. As I mentioned, Brandon Moreno He has that Mexican toughness that's just otherworldly. I don't know what it is, but just he can take hits and he can take himself to those real deep waters and he seems okay, like he can manage fine in those situations. He's never been knocked out. He has never been submitted. So durability, that is definitely a key for Moreno. He's going to have the support of the Dallas crowd as well and the previous win over Kai Cara France. He knows how hard Kai hits, he's had 15 minutes to share the cage with him, and he has an idea of what Cara France is going to present. It all kind of seems set up as well for another meeting between Moreno and Figueiredo, with the record between them standing at one, one, and one. Just makes sense within the narrative to have a fourth fight to settle the score, but, yeah, they, they were actually supposed to face in this one there'd been one million dollar demands from Davison Figueroa for a fourth fight. Talk that he may have an injury as well. Well, UFC president Dana White, he is not fucking around. We've got the next best guys fighting for the interim belt. Do we see the rivalry once again brought to a head with the title on the line between Figgy and Moreno? Or is of France right? Is it his time, and is his time, right now? Onto the profiles now, starting with Kai Kara France, nicknamed Don't Blink, and the 29 year old will be representing Auckland, New Zealand, training out of city kickboxing. Kai Kara France is a kickboxer, with a UFC record standing at seven wins and two losses, and Kai has two fight of the night and two performance of the nights on his resume. For Brandon Moreno, nicknamed the Assassin Baby, he is 28 from Tijuana, Mexico, representing glory, MMA, and fitness, as I've mentioned, under the tutelage of James Krause. Moreno has a UFC record of 7 wins, 3 losses, and 2 draws, and of course, he is the first Mexican-born UFC champion, a 3-time Performance of the Night winner, 2 times Fight of the Night, a former flyweight champion in the UFC, a former LFA flyweight champion, and a former world fighting featherweight, federation, featherweight champion. Bit of a tongue twister there, my bad, but as you can tell, Brandon Moreno, very credentialed. He's been the champion wherever he has gone, including in the UFC. And now once again, he has the chance to become a champion. Albeit with the interim tag attached. On to the advantages now. Brandon Moreno, he has that previous win to draw on. He has a lot more 5 round experience. As well as having the edge in height and reach. Grappling goes to Moreno as well. As a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu specialist. I just think he's very very dangerous there. But striking, I'll give to Kaikara France. Really quick on his feet. Got power in his hands for a flyweight. And look, I think this one has a lot of potential to be a 25-minute banger. But if there is a stoppage on either side, for Kaikara France, I think he can knock Brandon Moreno out. It is possible, just very, very hard. So if there's a finish for Kai, I believe knockout. If there is a finish for Moreno, I believe submission. We'll have to wait and see, though. And for Kaikara France... He is chasing his fourth straight win, his first title in the UFC. And for Moreno, he's coming off a loss and trying to regain, albeit an interim, trying to regain the title that he has only just lost. Three straight Figueredo fights. Now he's got a new opponent, although once again, a rematch. Stylistically, I think Moreno, he's going to utilize his grappling heaps. And I do believe there is going to be submission intent. For Kai, he's going to have knockout intent, I have no doubt about it. He's going to be throwing some big strikes throughout the fight to really try and rattle Moreno. Checking out the pro records now. Kai Kara France enters Dallas this weekend with a professional record standing at 24 wins, 9 losses and 1 no contest. Kai has 11 of his 24 wins by knockout with nine of those being first-round knockouts. There's a reason why they call him Don't Blink, nine first-round knockouts, with Kai boasting a knockout win in 22 seconds, he has one in eight seconds, and he has one in 12 seconds. So, well and truly, there is a reason why Cara France is nicknamed Don't Blink, 11 of 24 wins by knockout, nine of those being in the first round, with Kai's overall wins standing at 11 knockouts, three submissions, and 10 decisions. As for the losses, two knockout losses for Kai, three submissions, and four decisions, including that one to Moreno. And as for his UFC losses, he only has two of them, a submission to Brandon Royval, and that decision against Moreno. Speaking of Moreno, He enters Dallas this weekend with a professional record standing at 19 wins, 6 losses and 2 draws. Moreno's key stat, 11 of 19 wins by submission. He is a submission specialist that holds 14 finishes in 27 fights. But the key stat there, 11 of 19 wins by submission with his overall win tally standing at 3 knockouts, 11 submission victories and five decisions. When you go back to Kai and his losses, he has lost three times by submission, so that is an area that Moreno can look to exploit. And in my opinion, I'm a huge fan of both. If Moreno wasn't fighting a Kiwi, then I'd be supporting him here. But he's fighting a guy from Auckland, New Zealand. I've gotta go with my man here, Kaikara France. This one, very, very tricky one. I actually think Moreno is a huge threat and deserved favorite. But Kaikara France, he's gonna need that energy. He's gonna need all the support he can get to combat that crowd and of course the Hispanic community. So I'm gonna throw my little bit of support behind him. I'm taking Kaikara France in this one to be crowned the interim champion. And yeah, I'm gonna go by decision. I think Brandon Moreno is so damn tough, it's going to be very hard, very hard to put him down. Toughest opponent of Kai Kara France's career. So I'm going to go decision. I'm going to say this is fight of the night and that it goes the full 25, and at the end, I have the Kiwi getting his hand raised. Co main event, interim flyweight championship. I am taking Kai, don't blink, Kara France by decision over Brandon Moreno. I might as well also have a bonus double on Kaikara France by knockout just for the fuck of it, but official prediction, I'm taking Kaikara France by decision, new interim flyweight champion. With that being said, well, that was the first of our two title fight rematches, and now it is time to get to the big one. No interim belt here, this is for the real deal, Let's get in to our UFC 277 main event. All right, let's now jump into it. UFC 277, our main event of the evening. A women's bantamweight championship fight between the defending champion, the Venezuelan vixen, Juliana Pena, and the former champion, the GOAT, the current UFC featherweight champion, Amanda Nunes, AKA the Lioness. This is a grudge match they are meeting for a second time. You've got Juliana Pena, who she's carrying herself like a champion. I didn't think she was gonna win, but since she's actually got that belt, she seems like a natural born champ. She's got confidence on her side, and Pena carries the mental edge into this one. As for Nunez, she is as motivated as she has ever been, and when you look at the rap sheet of Amanda Nunez, it is seriously impressive. You've got a round one technical knockout over Jermaine Durandamy, who she's beaten twice, once at bantamweight and once was a featherweight title defence. Then she had a round one TKO over Shayna Baszler, round one submission Sarah McMahon, two decision wins over Valentina Shevchenko, Nunez has a round one submission of Misha Tate, former UFC women's bantamweight champion. She has a 46 second TKO over Ronda Rousey, another former champion. Nunez is the only fighter in UFC history, in MMA history, to knock out Raquel Pennington. She knocked out Chris Cyborg, one of the greatest to ever do it, and still a champion in the featherweight division for Bellator right now. Nunez knocked her out in 51 seconds and she also knocked out another former champion in the first round, Holly Holm. She had a unanimous decision win over Felicia Spencer to retain her featherweight title and of course, a round one submission over Megan Anderson. Nunez, she built up this untouchable aura but every step of the way, Juliana Pena was there, and she was not phased. That is what makes this such a hype contest. And let's cast our mind back to the first time they were supposed to meet. And going into that one, the rumors swirling. Kayla Harrison, were the UFC going to make a play? It was kind of like Pena was being overlooked in this title fight. But I wasn't overlooking her. I did go against her, but I did think she was going to put up one hell of a showing. This rivalry has been building since UFC 200, six years in the making. And yeah, leading up to that first fight, there was plenty of animosity. That remains the case the second time around. And some of the big news, Amanda Nunez changing camps. She's left American top team, although it does seem amicably. And she is starting her own joint up. She claims that she had a knee injury in the last fight as well and that she is 100% now. So it seems like we're gonna get the best version of Nunes. Same goes for Pena. This has a real genuine main event feel about it. The first time around, they were in a co-main event slot. That was back at UFC 269 in December last year. Their first meeting in Las Vegas, Nevada, saw Pena fight fire with fire. And look, we all know Nunes in that first five minutes She is a major threat. That is where she's won the majority of her fights. And Pena knew that. And she had full confidence in her abilities to really defuse that, which is what she did. And look, Nunez had her moments, but going into round two, Pena, she just seemed so set on what she needed to do. She began to unload on her feet. And you could see Amanda Nunez, she was tired, she was retreating. Pena then gets Nunez to the mat wraps a hold of Amanda's neck, and Nunes taps just like that. No hesitation, the tap out immediately. Clearly something was a little bit off there, but that, the greatest moment in women's MMA history, potentially, and one of the greatest UFC upsets of all time. Pena, the new champion, setting the scene for what is the greatest women's UFC fight in history, That is how I feel about this one. I think it's been built up so well and stylistically they present a lot of challenges for one another. Is this now the era of Juliana Pena? She's got her daughter as motivation. She seems like a natural fit as a champion and she has so much confidence exuding from her that she can beat Nunes again. For Amanda, was it an off night? Potentially. Is she done, is she closer to the end? We don't know exactly where she's at, but what I do know is that 135 is the toughest women's division. This, the main event, and the pinnacle of women's weight. For Nunez, I really felt last time as though she underestimated and really downplayed Juliana Pena, and it's very much the same this time around, although the champion in the Venezuelan Vixen She is not phased at all. I'm expecting the best version of both of these fighters. And of course, there have been coaches on this past season of The Ultimate Fighter, which to be honest, I watched the last season. I haven't really kept up to date with this one. One or two I watched were kind of boring. Um, But Pena is a former winner of The Ultimate Fighter. She's, look, she's got three fighters in the final as well. Nunez only has one. So again, another edge for Juliana Pena, who we absolutely know, she's up for this. And for both ladies, this is the biggest challenge of their careers. Let's get on to the profiles, starting with Amanda Nunes, who is the current UFC Women's Featherweight Champion and the former UFC Women's Bantamweight Champion. Nunes is 34, nicknamed the Lioness, and of course, she has those new gym ambitions. No longer at American Top Team, she is now running the show herself. And Nunes is a boxer, a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, and she also has a brown belt in Judo. Nunes has a UFC record standing at 14 wins and 2 losses, with those losses coming to Juliana Pena and Kat Zingano. On to the champion now wow have i become a huge fan i was already a fan but like the way she has transformed herself into this absolute superstar once given the chance that she'd been asking for for a long time like she seems like she's always been ready for this that is the champion the venezuelan vixen juliana pena 32 years old fighting out of chicago illinois with veil flow or valley flow fucking forgot which one it was, my bad. Valley flow, striking. And Peña, she's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt. So there is a discrepancy given that Nunez a black belt, but that certainly didn't matter last time. Peña heads into this one with a UFC record standing at seven and two, and she's ready. She's ready to solidify her legacy inside the UFC and look forward to what's next after beating potentially the greatest female fighter of all time, not once, but twice. That is what is at stake here, folks. Leaning into the advantages now, confidence, as I keep saying, Juliana Pena, she is exuding confidence. Although if you want to look at track record, shut up, phone. Track record, Nunez, for sure. She's absolutely built up and highly impressive resume. Is she motivated? Is she fit? Well, if she is, I believe striking and grappling, she is the better of the two. So which Amanda Nunes are we going to get? Anticipation for this one at an all-time high. I cannot wait. And there's only a couple of things to do before I jump in to my main event prediction. So let's get in now to the professional records. Amanda Nunes, pro record, 21 wins, 5 losses. Looking at the Lioness and her five career losses, two by knockout, two, submi- two submissions, sorry, got the notifications on. UFC, the early prelims are actually on right now, so UFC going off their chops on Instagram. My bad, I'ma just chuck that on silent. But we're nearly done, so I'll just roll through. Five losses for Nunez, two knockout losses, two submissions, including the one to Peña, and one decision. As for the wins for Nunez, 13 of 21 by knockout, 11 first-round knockouts, five knockouts under one minute. So Nunez, like, that's the thing. She is such a threat in that first five minutes. She also has four first-round submissions, totaling 15 first-round finishes from 21 victories. Overall, Nunez has 13 knockouts, four submissions, and four decisions, but that's the stat, 15 first-round finishes. Nunez. you got to be very careful if you're Juliana Pena, which she was last time, and that led to getting the victory. Speaking of Pena, the Champions Pro record stands at 11 wins and 4 losses. And the key stat for Pena, she has never been finished in the first round. She's highly durable. That's what makes this such a tantalizing, stylistic matchup looking at the losses for Pena, one knockout, two submissions, and one decision. As for the wins for the champion, five of 11 wins by submission, including that one that she used to beat Nunes and claim the bantamweight title last time out, with Pena's wins including three knockouts, five submissions, and three decisions. Stylistically, I genuinely believe everything is on the table. Like, I, this could go any way. That's what makes this such a fantastic main event. And I'm going to go with my prediction. This I am actually super torn on. I really want to go with Juliana Pena, but I'm going to go with Amanda Nunes. Just based on her track record, I think if she's fit and if she's motivated, I think Nunes wins this. But wow, I just can't wait to sit down and find out. So, With that being said, I'm just going to pump out this prediction. The early prelims are already on, so I'm going to get right amongst this card. And of course, thoughts and comments, UFC 277. From the prelims, I'll be giving some thoughts and comments on all of the action and then full live reactions on the podcast to the main card for UFC 277. So that will actually drop about an hour or two after the card is finished. Really excited about that. But now let's get to my main event prediction. Amanda Nunes by knockout. I was thinking submission, uh, but I do think Nunes. if she's motivated, if she's fit, I think she gets it done here. But look, this one, sometimes it's not about the pick so much, it's about the fight itself. And no matter which way this goes, I am just so damn keen to sit down and watch this one. So that's my prediction, Amanda Nunes by knockout, to go back to double champ status, but very, very interested. And I think I'm gonna be cheering on Juliana Peña, if I'm honest, but taking Nunes over Peña by knockout. Those are my picks for UFC 277, both the prelims and of course the main card. Let's see how it goes now. Thoughts and comments, I'll be back for that, giving my live reactions to the full card. And of course, best way to keep up to date with that Follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report, And you can also follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You'll be able to see, as soon as UFC 277 Thoughts and Comments drops. That's it from me, though. Until then, UFC Thoughts and Comments. I've given you all my picks. Hopefully it's a good weekend. And until Thoughts and Comments, take care of yourself. And, of course, enjoy the fights.